0: Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. We are less than two weeks away from Purdue's season opener against Oregon State. Just 12 days away as I record this here on Monday night. And there's football to be played this week. Although it's not the Boilermakers, there is a brief slate on on Saturday headlined by a Big Ten West matchup. Nebraska heads to Illinois. It's a surprisingly big game. A true must-win for Scott Frost, Brett Bielema on the other side making his debut for the Illini. Last week here on the show, we broke down the defensive side of the ball for the Boilermakers, previewed Brad Lambert's first Purdue defense. This week, we'll head to the other side of the ball. We'll preview what the Brom brothers have on offense ahead of the fifth season already of the Brom era. You know, last year was really interesting for the Purdue offense because right away you got thrown a wrench when Jeff Brom tested positive for COVID, missed the Iowa game, and I thought Brian Brom did a really nice job in that game, calling the offense. Thought it was admirable that he stuck with the run game, even though it didn't work well early on. And Xander Horvath proved him right late in that game. Busted some really big runs in the fourth quarter. David Bell had three touchdowns. Purdue wins. The offense kept clicking on all cylinders the next week over at Illinois. Aiden O'Connell delivered a really nice performance. But it grew a little bit stagnant. A tough loss at home to Northwestern. O'Connell hurt his foot in that Illinois game. Played through it against Northwestern. Underwent surgery, missed the rest of the year. Jack Plummer came in, had a really nice offensive performance uh, in a game that Purdue probably should have won in a shootout up at Minnesota. We all remember the pass interference call that went against Payne Durham that uh, hurt Purdue's chances of winning that one in the last minute. Uh, you know the Rutgers and Nebraska games didn't go well for any phase of the Purdue Purdue team, and that was it. You know the shortened season came to an abrupt ending when the bucket game was canceled, and Purdue walked out on a four-game losing streak that's still lingering over in the fan base's feelings. I think you can read some of the message boards. You can read Twitter. Uh, I can tell based off the downloads and listens to the podcast that, you know, the excitement for this season isn't quite where it has been in years past. We'll see if Purdue can rekindle that early on this year. And a big part of it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball. You know, I, I talked about the defense at length last week, full episode on it. If you haven't listened, go do so. Uh, but, you know, the offensive side of the ball is the bread and butter of this program. It always has been. When Purdue's been at its best, it's come with explosive offenses with good quarterback play. If you look at some of the best times of Purdue's history, you know, the 1960s, Bob Greasy, an NFL quarterback. Uh, The late 70s, early 80s were pretty good teams with Mark Herman at quarterback. Obviously, the Joe Tiller era headlined by Drew Brees Kyle Orton, as well. You know, since then, just hasn't necessarily been the same level of offensive output. You know, good things happened with Curtis Painter at times, good things happened with David Blau, but it just hasn't been that same level of success. Purdue's still looking for that, and it's another quarterback battle. If you've been following this program for a long period of time, you know that. It hasn't always been uh, the most clear quarterback situation under Jeff Brom. A lot of quarterback competitions. The only year of the five that we didn't have any type of quarterback uh, battle in fall camp was 2019 when Elijah Sindelar was the unquestioned starter. But we had two years of Sindelar and Blau. This is now year two of Jack Plummer versus Aiden O'Connell, and last year it was a bit of a surprise to the Purdue fan base that Aiden O'Connell won that job. I thought, uh, you know, the general consensus was that Jack Plummer was good enough in the 2019 season to get the first crack at it, but O'Connell played pretty well, and he certainly didn't lose that position. Uh, the injury that cost him his season did. I think we would have seen Plummer at some point anyways. You know, the offense did struggle against a very good northwestern defense in the game that turned out to be O'Connell's last. But you know, Jeff Brom has been very willing to play multiple quarterbacks. We saw that throughout really the first two thirds of that 2017 season the first couple games of 2018 as well. Uh, and then after since then he's really stuck with quarterbacks in games, but you know, last year both of these guys were solid. And both of these guys are options that I think Purdue can win with, and that's good. That is what you have to have in this pass heavy offense. What Purdue is still looking for is a breakout type performance from a quarterback that you can look at and say Purdue is winning games because of this quarterback and that's not something that Purdue has had since Kyle Orton and you know those teams were really good that 3 team was really good the 4 team wasn't as successful on the field but they had a lot of talent. Uh, Purdue's looking for that quarterback that they win games of because and I don't know if either of those guys has shown the ability to do it yet thus far. Aiden O'Connell certainly has some moxie to him. Uh, he is competitive. He's pretty solid. You know, he is a pocket passer. He loves to target David Bell. He acknowledged that in some of his media availability that at times he overly. Uh, saturated David Bell and didn't always look to other options but you know where the concern comes in is that lack of mobility and for a team that has struggled to run as much as Purdue has that's the concern with Aiden O'Connell is that it just takes away a dimension of the offense when he isn't able to scramble for additional yardage or extend plays with his feet. Meanwhile Jack Plummer has a bit more of that to his game, and by no means is Plummer a speed demon, you know, scramble first style quarterback. These are both guys that are going to drop back and sling the ball around more than look to run it, but Plummer does have the ability to tuck it, extend plays with his feet, uh, scramble for a first down, Go outside the pocket, wait for things to open up. He has a little bit more of that ability. The downside is that he doesn't always make the greatest decisions, I guess. And I don't know. You know, last year, I thought he did a really nice job. Uh, he completed 70% of his passes, which was remarkable. Uh, I think as you go back and look at the season, he played pretty well in those last few games, the main issue really came from the fact that the offense wasn't on the field enough, and they were uh, forced to sit back and watch an ineffective defense sit on the field. I really thought Plummer showcased his abilities really well in that Minnesota game when he completed a very high percentage of his passes. He put a lot of points up on the board, I think the offense is a little bit more dynamic with Jack Plummer in there. Now, again, flipping it back, though, to Aiden O'Connell, the main job of a quarterback is to win games. Aiden O'Connell has won more games as a starter. He's 3-3. Three and three. Jack Plummer's 2-7. and seven. And if you take away the Nebraska game where in 2019 where Jack Plummer started, was injured late in the game, And Aiden O'Connell engineered a four minute drive down the field to win it uh, in the last 30 seconds or so. That drops Plummer down to one and seven. Uh, You know, and I don't know that it's fair to solely say that the reason those games went the way they did was because of the quarterback play. You can look at last season and completely throw that notion out the window for the three games Jack Plummer started. But. It is an interesting point to look at. I personally lean with Jack Plummer here. Uh, I don't know that I'd be surprised by either one, and I certainly, certainly don't know that I'd be surprised to see both of them in the Oregon State game, especially if that offense struggles a little bit as they come out of the gate. Uh, Jeff Brom knows that's a big game. He's going to do whatever it takes to win that game. You look at the rest of that quarterback room, though. Austin Burton is still there. The graduate transfer from UCLA, who did not play last year, had a uphill battle, to say the least, coming into a new system during COVID when the Big Ten uh, you know, shut the season down, brought the season back. Not the best situation to try to learn an offense in. Is he a threat this year? You know, I don't know. Uh, he is certainly the most mobile of all the quarterbacks, but he has the least amount of game film. Just one career start, a loss against Oregon State, ironically enough, when he was at UCLA. Um, I'd be surprised if we saw him early this year. Now, if things go downhill quick, I think anything's in play. Uh, I have no reason to think that we can't see Austin Burton. I would be surprised if we got all the way down to Michael Alamo on the depth chart, the red shirt freshman from out in New Jersey. Sounds like he's looked good in training camp. He's got a big arm, but you know, he didn't play a ton of drop back and throw football in high school coming from a triple option offense. And it's a complex system that Jeff Brom runs with very high expectations for the quarterback. I don't know that we'll see a lame-o yet. Uh, You know, I, I, I would still say I go Jack Plummer. I think he has earned the first shot at this. But if things go poorly early on in that Oregon State game, I think anything needs to be done to try to get this season off to a good start. A major part of helping this offense grow is going to come from expanding that rushing attack, though. It's been dead last in the Big Ten the last two seasons. Certainly has not all been on the running backs themselves, but, you know, Purdue's still working with a pretty thin group at running back. It got deeper. uh, What was that? Last week, two weeks ago, now when Samson James announced he was transferring into West Lafayette from Bloomington uh, at one point you know Samson James was one of the highest rated recruits to ever commit to Indiana uh he is an Indiana kid I believe he's from Avon uh his IU career probably wasn't as successful as maybe most would have thought he did have a nice career he had a very good performance in the Old Oak and Bucket game back in 2019. That rain-soaked overtime win for the Hoosiers. Uh, He ran for over 100 yards in that. But you know, I don't know if he'll be eligible to play this year. The NCAA said you had to enter the transfer portal before July 1st to be eligible. Samson James didn't enter the portal until, boy, I don't. I'm not looking at a calendar, but it was late July, early August. Um, It was. Not a early decision by him. Indiana had already begun training camp, I believe. So, you know, him getting an NCAA waiver is a real question. I don't know if that's going to come or not. We're going to talk about this offense as if he won't be eligible. If he is, that changes things dramatically. But you're looking at Xander Horvath as your number one running back option again this year. Horvath is better than people give him credit for. He is a very physical runner. He is dynamic in the passing game. Uh, I don't know that Purdue's had a back as effective of a pass catcher as Xander Horvath that I can really remember. Maybe uh, Jason Taylor had some nice moments catching the ball, but it has not been a great skill set of Purdue teams He's really good at that. That helps the offense because it's an extension of the run game. Essentially, you know, short passes aren't all that different from runs when you really get down to it, but he isn't that top level speed guy. Now, neither is King Doru behind him, who really had a tough year last year, unable to get healthy. He missed the first couple games with a hamstring injury. And then just never really got going. Uh, He got put into a couple really weird situations where like his first carry of the season came on a third and one, I think. I mean, just really weird stuff there. Couldn't get into a rhythm. If he's healthy, I think we're going to see a decent step forward for him. I thought he showed some nice flashes as a freshman in 2019 I'd like to see what he can do this year, you know, a 12-game season, get him back into the mix and see what he can do because he was a promising recruit with a promising freshman year. Uh, very decent combo between Horvath and Doru. And I'm not saying this is going to be like, you know, the Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle backfield from Georgia or, you know, an Eddie Lacy, TJ Yeldon backfield at Alabama, but I think this can be a pretty effective group. Certainly, they need the offensive line to help out and give them some room to run. Behind those two, you know, that's where questions start to sneak in. Dylan Downing, the UNLV transfer uh, originally from Carmel High School, I, he may play a role this year. He's another bigger back uh, who is able to. You know, make some room for himself. He's able to break some tackles. He's not going to be easy to take down, but not a lot of experience. And then, you know, in terms of not a lot of experience, your best speed option there is Jaquez Cross, the true freshman. I don't know that we'll see him play much. I mean, it's a lot to ask for a true freshman to go take carries at the Big Ten level, but, you know, again, uh, Something's got to help this running game get going. I think all doors are open there, and we'll see if any wide receivers get involved in the run game at all. I think that's something we may see as well, and that's a loaded wide receiver room. David Bell's obviously back for more, uh, had a huge sophomore season last year. Uh, The clear bright spot of Purdue's disappointing campaign Just an absolute machine who really made a national name for himself. And what was nice about that is that he was able to do that while we still got to see some impressive play from Milton Wright. He had a very, very good... God, was he... I think he was a redshirt freshman technically last year. I don't think he played enough in 2019 to count as a year of eligibility... Milton Wright had a really good year, Um, did some really nice things for Purdue, really uh, stepped into that wide receiver number two role when Rondale Moore didn't play. Uh, I expect another step forward from him, and I think with Bell and Wright, you have a really good one-two combo that can open up the offense for some slot receivers. For T.J. Sheffield, especially, who, you know, Hasn't gotten going as much. Uh, got some good action in the kick return game last year. He probably would have gotten more involved, but you know those first three games that Rondale Moore didn't play in, Purdue had a Anderson playing that slot role, and then a Anderson announced that he was transferring, uh, but Rondale Moore had already come back, and you know you weren't taking Rondale Moore out of a lineup ever. T.J. Sheffield should slide in there. He has plenty of promise. Uh, He was a very highly rated player coming in. Heard good things about him. He'll get some action there. And you can never count out Jackson Anthrop, the sixth-year senior who is just the definition of a rock-solid receiver. Uh, He does everything fundamentally well. He's got good hands. Uh, He's... You know, made some big plays, and he's played a lot of football. I mean, in Jeff Brom's first offense in 2017, Jackson Anthrop had the most receptions on the team. He is still a guy who, you know, sure he isn't top end speed, but he plays an effective role. You're going to see him on the field this year, and he's going to do some positive things. Now, a couple of names that have really stood out in fall camp, from what I've gathered. Brock Thompson and Mershawn Rice. Thompson, the Indianapolis native who transferred back home from Marshall, uh, has some personal things going on back home that made him want to be closer to the Indianapolis area, coming in and is really going to be a good addition, I think. Uh, He is experienced. He is very reliable, supposed to have very good hands, and he's played a lot of football that is something that's really big for this room because you have so many youngsters like Mershon Rice, who has always had great physical ability, but has never been healthy at Purdue this year. Sounds like he's healthy. Sounds like he's really poised to break out and make a name for himself. And if we're talking about a you know, number four, number five receiver really turning heads in camp, that's a pretty good sign that this receiving attack is poised to continue to be really strong for Purdue. And that's not even mentioning some of these talented youngsters. We'll rattle off some names here. Abdurrahman Yasin didn't play much last year. Colin Sullivan, Marcellus Moore didn't really see the field at all last year. Dion Burks, Preston Terrell, two true freshmen who both, you know, are probably going to play some good football at Purdue, but they're so buried on the depth chart that you know, of these list of five youngsters who are freshman classifications, we may see one or two of these guys really see some action this year, but we won't see many of them and that goes to show that Purdue's done a really good job recruiting the wide receiver position. It's certainly an attractive one to play at Purdue. Uh, Jeff Brom airs it out quite a bit. The number one passing attack in the Big Ten in terms of yards per game last year. Part of that, too, trickles down to the tight end spot where Payne Durham is back as the number one tight end for the second straight year. Kind of a touchdown machine. You know, 2019, uh, something like 40% of his catches were for touchdowns. Uh, He is a really good player had that touchdown overturned at Minnesota last year. He's a good tight end number one option. And then Garrett Miller has really impressed people within the football facility, it sounds like. He had that big touchdown catch and run against Northwestern last year. He's a big physical tight end who can really help Purdue. And if Purdue goes with some two tight end formations, you can feel good about those two guys being out there. Not just because of their receiving ability, but they're decent blockers as well. And then going down that room, Kyle Beloto came in with Garrett Miller. We haven't seen much of him yet. Maybe he'll be able to break out and get some action this year. Jack Kravik is in the room as well. I know there's been some talk of using him in an H-back role this year a little bit. Uh, He's an experienced guy, been in the program for four years now. And Paul Paferi, the former quarterback uh, recruit, he's in that uh, tight end room, made the transition last year. Uh, We'll see if he's able to see the field at all, but you've got some tight ends and you've got enough bodies there that you can feel good about using that position a lot. Jeff Brom likes to line them up as receivers quite a bit too. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what they do, especially with that top two group. Durham and Miller are capable of doing some things, but at the end of the day, the offensive line has to be better for Purdue. It's been a downward trajectory ever since Jeff Braum's first year when Purdue brought in some graduate transfers that really helped stabilize that line, and they had some fantastic leadership from Kirk Barron in the middle that really helped solidify that group and protect the quarterbacks. Now, you know, you're losing Grant Hermans who is kind of your anchor, uh, but you get a little bit back. The offensive line has been hurt by a few guys who aren't able uh, to continue playing, had to medically retire due to some uh, career ending injuries. But, you know, you have what you have. Greg Long will likely line up at left tackle. He has established himself well. Had a good year last year as a transfer from UTEP. He's back for a sixth year of eligibility. Tyler Witt, also a grad transfer from Western Kentucky, looks like he's going to slot on the right side, probably at guard. Uh, he's you know he's a solid guy. Certainly was a quality player at the Conference USA level. I think he'll come in and play well. You have some more questions, though. You know, Gus Hartwig looked pretty good as a true freshman last year, all things considered. He'll probably be your center. Eric Miller, Spencer Holstedge, those are guys who are going to slot in at tackle and guard who have some experience in the system, could be very good pieces Dave Mona, same way. Uh, he's been in the system for a while. Hope to see him contribute a little bit. And then Cam Craig, the redshirt freshman who had great things said about him last year before getting hurt in the Iowa game. He's going to play a role. Outside of those seven, it's a pretty thin group. A lot of freshmen you're looking at, a lot of not even a lot of, a few older guys who are not tested at all in gameplay. If this group can stay healthy, I think you can feel all right about it. I'm not going to say you can feel great about it, but I think you can feel decent about this group at the top five to top seven. If injuries start to sneak in, it's a real concern, and it's really something that Purdue is going to have to keep developing, and it's tough to develop the offensive line when you aren't able to land the high-level four-star talent regularly, and when you're a program like Purdue, it's really hard to. Those guys go to the big schools and the big schools only. Uh, You you just have to keep hitting the graduate transfer portal hard. That's going to be huge for Purdue, and keep seeing what you can do you got to keep throwing things at the wall and hope they stick with this offensive line because it's such a big part of an offense. And under Jeff Brom, Purdue needs the offense to be good. That's why this is such a big year. Back-to-back disappointing seasons have, as I mentioned in the open, not left the fan base in the best spot. This is a big year. You need to excite people. That needs to start right away. Under the lights, week one, Oregon State at home. I think you're going to get a good crowd. I think people are ready to get back into ross Aid. You need to find a way to run the ball effectively. You need to get quality quarterback play. I'm not concerned about that spot. I think Purdue's going to get good play from either O'Connell or Plummer, but it needs to be effective. And I think at the end of the day, I know I personally would like to see one guy get the job and run with it. I don't know how realistic that is, but you need to run the ball, and that quarterback room needs to make big plays. You have the wide receivers to do it. You have a coach who likes to throw the ball downfield. He's gotten away from that a little bit the last couple years. I think we're going to see more of it this year, especially with some of those receivers standing out. Big plays are the way to excite people, and big plays are the way to change games in your favor, and you're only going to be favored in five or six of your games this year. To steal some of those and secure bowl eligibility, you have to make big plays. Now, as I said, getting closer to the opener, 12 days away, 11 days away, when you may be listening to this as it opens up Tuesday morning on your podcast platforms. Next week, we will be back for the full season preview. We'll break down the schedule. I will make some predictions that you can certainly count on being wrong. I will give my official record prediction. Uh, My buddies know I'm optimistic about this group. How optimistic? We'll find out next week. And I will preview the week one matchup between Purdue and Oregon State. That's all I have for you today, though. Come back next week, get all that information, uh, listen to all my hot takes. If you have some predictions you want to throw my way, please do. Tweet me at BoilersBeyond, give me a follow there. We'll be coming to you with high quality content all season long. I'm pumped up. It's a normal football season. Last year never felt right, even when the Big Ten got playing again and You know, Saturdays were fairly full. It just never felt right. Now we're back. Fans in ross fans in every stadium. Hopefully there's some good football to be played this weekend. That Nebraska-Illinois game, it's interesting. Uh, You know, I know I'll be tuning in. I'm sure a lot of you will as well. But until next time, enjoy some of that football. We're only two weeks away from the Boilers being back. See you next week, folks.